Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Holiday greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Gather by the Ghost Light, original stories for radio theater. I'm Jonathan Cook, your host, producer, sometimes voice actor on this thing, and it's that time of year again. Here we are. It's the week of Christmas, so we're going to take a sleigh ride into the second annual, second time ever festive holiday special extravaganza. So here's what's happening this week. Leading up to Christmas... Three new holiday-themed episodes will be released on this podcast, written by three super-talented playwrights. That's right, three new episodes this week. I've never done this before, but hey, it is the season of giving. So today, first in the lineup is a dark comedy called North Pole Noir, written by Patrick Gabridge. Many of you out there are likely familiar with the well-known Rankin-Bass animated holiday classics. But what if there's more to those stories? What if you only heard the watered-down version? Well, today you're going to take a dark look at the underside of the North Pole as Detective Harvey the Elf tries to solve the murder of Frosty the Snowman. Professor Hinkle, the magician, well, he claims he was framed. So who is it that really murdered Frosty? Now, gather around the ghost light, sit back and enjoy. This is North Pole Noir, written by Patrick Gabridge. And be sure to stick around after the story to hear an interview with the writer. There are a million ways to die in this frostbitten town. Getting melted into a puddle isn't usually one of them. But Christmas is a messy business. When she walked through my door, I should have known I'd get coal in my stocking. Again. Prancer, she's the closest thing we have to royalty in the North Pole. One of the eight. Nine, if you count that freak of nature, Rudolph. Wait on the street is that you're an elf? Who knows how to solve problems? I might have a passing acquaintance with trouble. And you went on that adventure with Rudolph? That was my cousin, the dentist, Harvey. I'm Harvey. What kind of trouble are you in, Prancer? It's not me. It's my boyfriend, Professor Hinkle. The murder of Frosty the Snowman? In the version most people know... After failed magician Professor Hinkle melts Frosty by locking him in a greenhouse, the snowman gets brought back to life by a brisk December wind and some Christmas magic. 
But in the real world, by the time Hinkle's rabbit Hocus Pocus brought Santa to help, it was too late for anything besides a mop in a bucket. Frosty melted, but Hinkle didn't do it. Seems like an open and shut case, literally. On the outside, the professor seems like a washed up evil magician who wouldn't recognize magic if it smacked him in the face with a snowball. But he's a lover, not a fighter. That little girl Karen spun the story, so everyone believed Frosty was this big, warm-hearted, magical snowman. But if you ever met him, you'd know that behind that corncob pipe and button nose was a world of pain. The image of Karen weeping over the puddle in the greenhouse would have broken my heart if it wasn't already smashed to pieces and soaked in peppermint schnapps. Tragic, yes, but it wasn't the professor. Then who was it? <laughs> You're the detective. Why don't you see if you can bumble your way to the truth? Sometimes it's better not to stick your hand into the icy hornet's nest of North Pole intrigue. But love and justice are in short supply up here. I couldn't turn her away. Ho, ho, ho! You've reached Santa. Sorry I can't get to the phone right now, but if you leave your name and number and what you'd like for Christmas... Santa wouldn't take my calls, and Karen was nowhere to be found. That left Hocus Pocus, the magician's rabbit. I found him in a flop house, hopped up on carrot juice. Maybe it's time for you to lay off the sauce, rabbit. Bite me! I want to talk to you about what happened at the greenhouse. What greenhouse? Don't play dumb with me, you lousy lagomorph. Amanda's in jail, writing I'm sorry for what I did to Frosty a hundred zillion times. Screw you! What happened that night? I went to get Santa, we flew back in the sleigh, and when I got there, Karen was crying over the puddle that used to be Frosty. Santa yelled at Hinkle, blah, 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 blah. But did you see what actually happened to Frosty? Karen told us what happened. She and Frosty had been running away from Hinkle, sought shelter in the greenhouse, and he locked them in. End of story, end of snowman. You believe her? That magician was stingy with the carrots. I worked with him for years, and he still treated me like an animal. I came up with his best tricks. Did I ever get any credit? You try hiding in a smelly old hat day after day. Maybe you and Karen conspired to put the blame on Hinkle. I would never kill Frosty just to even the score. Did you see Hinkle do it? I was running to get Santa. The only one who really knows is Karen. I can't find her. Keep in mind, Karen has a very bad taste in men. Where is she? Why would I tell you? If you don't, I'm going to punch you in the mouth. Okay, okay, okay. Jeez. After Frosty died, Karen fell apart. Couldn't find a place that made any sense, so she went somewhere where you don't have to make sense. Florida? Farther north. Ah, the island of misfit toys. You didn't hear it from me. I'm out of here. I jumped on an ice floe and headed for the island. I finally found her in a juke joint deep in a crevasse. She was up on stage, crooning to a small audience.
Thank you. Buy you a drink? It's the season for gifts. Two eggnogs. Coming right up. You're not an easy girl to find, Karen. I just want to be left alone. I know your wounds run deep. It was the magician. Hinkle, everyone knows it. Convenient fall guy. One who had already rubbed Santa the wrong way. Maybe the big guy doesn't like other people horning in on his holiday magic act. <laughs> you think it was Santa? Good luck spreading that one around. You and Frosty knew each other for a while. First down south, then trudging across the tundra. Swept you off your feet with that broom of his. I'd never met anyone like him. We hopped onto that refrigerated boxcar and the rest was history. But the life of a snowman wasn't exactly warm and fuzzy. The nights are awfully long north of the Arctic Circle. But he loved me. I'm sure he did. But he maybe wasn't the only man around capable of impressing a pretty young thing. You need to leave. Maybe Frosty wouldn't let you go. I saw the other side of him. One that was as cold as ice. Maybe you found a way to melt your way out of the situation. I was just a girl. He was a big, strong snowman. I couldn't push him around even if I wanted to. Unless you had help. Those are some nice earrings you're wearing. Silver and gold. Don't say I didn't warn you. Maybe they were a gift from the other man. I begged him. Just like I'm doing with you. Walk out of here while you still can. All right. Where is he? Yukon Cornelius. The prospector. He'd helped my cousin and Rudolph back in the day. I know that little elf's around here somewhere. Hey! The lady's been telling you to make like a bumble and bounce. Bumble? It was you. None. That's all you know. Leave him alone, Yukon. I'm just here to be helpful. Just like you helped with Frosty? You could have shot him, stabbed him, flayed him with that whip of yours. But I didn't. No. You melted him. Somebody did. The greenhouse door doesn't lock. Someone strong has to be on the other side, holding it shut. Not like Professor Hinkle, the geeky magician. No, Frosty was tundra tough. Would have taken a lot of muscle to keep that door shut as he struggled for his life. You'll find out exactly how strong I am, Mr. Elf. Let me go. Nobody gets between me and Karen. I've risked too much. Let him go, Yukon. Or I'll shoot. Karen, put the gun away. No one will miss him. On the island of misfit toys, there are no witnesses. Help! Congrats on solving the mystery, little man. Too bad no one will ever know. No! Karen, it was all for you. Thank you, Karen. And how about I hold that gun for you? Somebody, thump, thump, somebody, thump, thump, over the hills of snow, over the hills of snow. Hinkle got out free. I backed up Karen's new story, that it was all Yukon's doing. Who could prove otherwise? I knew enough to stay away from the girl with the puffy white earmuffs. She'd already taken down the two toughest hombres in the Arctic. You did a good thing, Mr. Harvey. 
Well, Prancer, I'm glad it worked out. So will we. This is for you. This is more money than we agreed. There's a bonus from the abominable snowman. I didn't know the abominable had put a price on Yukon's head. Their grudge ran deep, and he'd found a way to rope me into settling it. So much for this being all about love and justice. <sighs> I needed a drink to wash out the bad taste in my mouth and temper the darkness in a place where the sun never rises and the words Merry Christmas offer little comfort. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight, we're happy tonight. That was North Pole Noir, written by Patrick Gabridge and performed by Adam Cowart as Harvey the Elf, Chelsea Mahoney as Prancer, Bryson Chapman as Hocus Pocus, Devin McSherry as Karen, Tom Colichin as Yukon Cornelius, and Rob Smith as Santa and the Bartender. Intro and outro music, as always, is provided by artist JK47. Additional music on this episode, Dark Frosty and Dark Winterland, were both provided by musician Lindsay Ryan. Joining me now is the writer of this story, Patrick Gabrich. Patrick, how are you, good sir? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me here today, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And, you know, many of the listeners may not realize this. A lot of them, especially the longtime listeners, are probably already familiar with your work because you wrote episode eight, Beatrix Potter Must Die. And I remember when when I released that audio play, you know, I got a lot of positive feedback, so... The people that heard it, you already have some fans. <laughs> so, and North, and hopefully North Pole Noir is uh, is going to reintroduce a lot of these people to your writing again. Um, so, before we dive into North Pole Noir, I kind of want to go into your 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 background a little bit um, because I remember years ago when I got into playwriting and I started writing short plays and submitting them to play festivals. I used to see your name. When I'd get accepted, I'd see your name in the in the lineup as well, <laughs> quite a few times. And even though we never met, uh, seeing your plays, I got familiar with with your work and and just seeing your name. Not even always in the plays in, in the festivals I was in, but just sometimes in other festivals I didn't even get accepted to. And uh, and so when I launched this podcast last year, you were actually one of the first playwrights I reached out to about adapting your work, just because I knew. For one, I was a fan because I'd already seen some of your stuff, and then uh, I just knew you had a lot of successful material. How long have you been doing this this playwriting thing? And if you if you could give a rough estimate, how many plays have you written? Whether it be full length, ten minute plays, or just anything in between? Um, I, I've been at this a long time, so uh, more than thirty years. So I, I started writing plays when I was in college, which was uh, a long time ago. And um, even though I'm not that old, I, I mean, I'm old enough, but uh, <laughs> I, I've been, yeah, so I've been at it for a long time. I think my first short play was produced in 1987, if that gives, so that's 34 years ago. So yeah, a while. So I have some practice. Um, yeah, and, and my my very first one was a short little play that got produced by a local theater company in the small upstate New York town where I lived. 
And so since then, I've probably written, oh gosh, I don't know. Uh, I have stats somewhere, but say it's probably about a hundred plays. If you probably, there's probably 50 or 60 shorts, another 20 plus one act and another 20 to more than 25 to 30 full length plays over time, plus a bunch of audio plays and some novels and some screenplays and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I write a lot of stuff. Wow, that man, that is amazing. That is an ambitious goal for myself. I'm nowhere near that yet. So. <laughs> but it adds up over time, right? So you only have to write a few. If, if you do it for 30 years and you write two show, two shows a year, then, you know, or three plays a year, then you're up to 100, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about North Pole Noir. You know, uh, when I was when I started reading through scripts, uh, looking for Christmas plays to produce, this was actually the first one I read. And I knew after about the second or third page, I just knew. I was like, okay, this is definitely <laughs> going to be one I want to put on. Because uh, reading your your stage play version, which is what I read at first, uh, you know, you have Harvey the Elf in his own spotlight. And then, uh, you know, you have the different characters coming in and out of the scenes. And as I was reading it, you know, I have to read it with sort of an audio play brain. You know, is this going to work as an audio play? Maybe a great stage play, but will it work as an audio play? And as I was reading it, I could just... I could hear it all, you know, I could hear the the dark jazz undertone of that film noir and and the different mixture of sound effects all throughout that I could play with. And I just knew that it was going to be a a fun one to do. Uh, so let us, give us some behind the scenes of your writer's brain. What was your process? Uh, I know your inspiration was probably a lot of these holiday classics and then you put your own spin on it. Uh, well, what, what kind of behind the scenes trivia can you give to us? Yeah, and I'm glad that this play resonated for you so quickly. Uh, you know, I think it's one that if people are familiar with this kind of genre of holiday animation uh, classics, then they really get it. It's interesting because I took it to my writer's group when I first did it. In a, and I don't know if it was a generational thing or whatever, but there were a bunch of people who had just had never seen like Frosty the Snowman or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I was just stunned because kind of growing up, that was something that was on the TV every year, no matter what. And then I think if your parents did it, then you would do it too, right? So you have to, I, so that was a good challenge to realize like, oh, how do I make the play, how do I make this play feel you accessible to people who even aren't, you know, big fans of these, this collection of work um, that were so important to me as a kid. And so I, I made some changes to kind of make it more accessible. And I do think, I, I'm glad it struck a, a chord for you in terms of audio, because I think uh, the kind of audio plays that I like to make are the ones that definitely embrace things that are hard to pull off on stage. So they're tricky. This play is kind of really campy if you do it on stage a little bit. Like it's a tricky piece, right? And I think there's some ways that the the fantastical nature of this piece and the characters lends themselves really well to audio because if you're familiar with the characters, you are automatically painting that in your mind. Right, right, exactly. Um, and I think the process for me was I had had an interest in writing a Christmas play and I definitely wanted to do a noir piece. I have a friend, John Minigan, who's a really terrific playwright who did a, a noir uh, version of Hamlet that I just adored. And I was like, oh, I want to try that. And I mean, I'll try that around Christmas. And so I was like, oh, and 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 it seemed to, the frosty story always seemed a little fishy to me. Uh, if you think about it at all, it's just totally bizarre. And 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 also Rudolph the Red-Nosed 
Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is so dark. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I, that also, and I was like, oh, if you could do a mashup of those two and intersect the worlds and, yeah, especially the darkness of Rudolph, um, where Land of the Misfit Toys is kind of scary and, you know, Yukon Cornelius seems like a buffoon, but he's well-armed and um, not as nice as he seems, and none of them are. Have you had a stage version of this because I, 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 you've done some virtual just because of the pandemic's going on. I know you had some virtual uh, productions or readings, but have you had the actual stage premiere of this play yet? Not that I've seen. Um, no, because it was uh, it was done at Boston Theater Marathon virtually in a tremendously good production, and and that would have been this past in spring of twenty twenty one. Just. Just amazing. And I was nervous about it. I'd never seen it done before. It was brand new. Um, and so, and yeah, so because of the pandemic, we haven't gotten a chance to really see it fully staged. So it's been kind of Zoom and now we'll have an audio version, which is really exciting. So someday, someday we'll have a fully staged version. All right. So if there's any theaters listening out there, you can have the stage premiere <laughs> of North Pole Noir right. since it hasn't been produced yet. If, if anyone out there wants to produce it. Uh, so uh, we know you've written like a ton of plays. Uh, is there anything that you're currently working on? Something you want to plug? You got any creative projects or uh, or any upcoming play productions? Like where can people go to see the next Patrick Gabridge play in a theater near them? That is a good question. Where can they go? Um, my hope is that my play Mox Knox, which I developed with the Brown Box Theater Project, which tours plays to uh, Maryland and Delaware and also plays in Boston. That's a full-length play, kind of a, it's, it's about sisterhood, but also it's kind of set post-apocalyptic global warming kind of play. It has a lot of stage manage involved, stage magic involved with it. That play is supposed to tour this spring. Um, we'll see if the pandemic allows that to happen or not. Uh, you know, that's that that place, but that production has been pushed off a couple of years. I work my company plays in place, uh, produces a lot of site specific plays in partnership with museums and historic spaces. So plays in place will be having a production, not of one that I wrote, but that we commissioned to write this uh, hopefully 2022 late summer, early fall of a play about Crispus Attics that'll be there. And then I'm working on a bunch of big projects for 2023 and 2024, um, mostly historical stuff. And then there are, will be short plays and festivals here, here and there. Um, you know, obviously subject to the whims of uh, of COVID, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. Well, my, my fingers are crossed that it all <laughs> works out for you. And uh, looks like you got a nice future ahead with, <laughs> with your stuff you got in the works. Thank you so much for uh, for talking with me today. and And... Hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, New Year, all that good stuff. And uh, I really hope that we can collaborate again in the future. Me too. Yeah. Thank you very much for producing the play and uh, happy holidays to you and to all our listeners. Thank you all for joining us. And if you're associated with a theater and you would like to produce a stage play version of the story you've heard today, send an email to gatheredbytheghostlight at gmail.com to get connected with the playwright. And if you enjoy this podcast, maybe you're a longtime listener, or maybe this is the first episode you've ever heard, let us know. Please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And also, be sure to follow Gather by the Ghost Light on social media to stay up to date on new episodes. 
I hope you all have an amazing week, and remember, there are still two more episodes coming at you before Christmas. I'm Jonathan Cook, and as always, stay safe, and I'll see you next time we gather by the ghost light. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.